Welcome to Fundamentally Drained Podcast with your hosts, Father Everett Lees, Father Tom Dahlman, and Justin Dixon. Three Christians exploring Christianity from a perspective other than the fundamental view from which we have become fundamentally drained. We'll begin the conversation, and you take it from there. Happy Easter. It is now the Easter season, and today we are going to talk about why did Jesus have to die? <laughs> so we're going to talk. Happy Easter, everybody. <laughs> Happy Easter. <laughs> so we're going to talk about atonement theories. And uh, this would be something that I knew nothing about um, uh, for, for, well, my entire childhood and beyond. And later learned there is a, a thing such as atonement theories. And, and I know a couple of them. And my understanding, there's a lot more of them. So, um, But it, it's centered around the idea that uh, why did Jesus have to die? And, um, and so... Uh, First one that I am familiar with uh, is the penal, uh, <laughs> penal, penal substitutionary atonement theory, and that's a mouthful. So Everett, our local scholar, uh, what is that atonement theory? What's the what's the gist behind that? Yeah, so um, penal substitutionary atonement is this idea that. Um, somebody had to be punished for human sin, um, and Jesus stepped into our place and accepted that punishment. Um, and, you know, this is the one that a lot of, I think, primarily in evangelical circles, they they sort of talk about um, in, in terms of, you know, you know Jesus accepting our punishment, um, and and it it is different. There is this, there is substitutionary atonement that in in which focuses on Jesus doing what we could not. Um, that is not as much focused on, you know, God's need to punish somebody. Hmm. Okay. And if you grew up where I grew up you probably rejected Christianity because of this. Oh, really? And, yeah. Because depending on the version of it you heard, it makes God sound like an abusive father. Right. Um, but there's no... But this is what you need to hear if you're listening to this podcast and you're one of those people. This is not the only way Christians have thought about this. Mm-hmm. To think about there could be other ways of looking at it or understanding it might be new to you. You, If you grew up in the evangelical world, it's, it's probably what you thought Christianity was, the, the main message of it. And uh, but here's what you need to know. It didn't come about until, didn't come around until about the 16th century. It's, it's a twisting or it, it came out of what St. Anselm, his idea of atonement, it grew out of that. It's from the Protestant reformers. It, it's about saving us from God's wrath, which God is not the main problem in the whole scripture. You know, <laughs> it turns God into the problem instead of uh, 
what we're doing, which is actually the problem. Mm. So there is, um, you know, and, and gosh, so many places to go. So the first one is, is you can read the Old Testament and you can, I mean, you, you have to agree that that quote unquote God um, could appear as wrathful, <laughs> as having wrath, I guess. And uh, so the atonement, the, the substitutionary atonement it would make sense, you know, kind of thing. So um, I, I could see that happening. Um, and interesting point on that's what people who, uh, so to speak, left your religion, I guess, not whatever, your tradition, <clears throat> are, were focused around this, that God basically had to kill his son, if you will. Is that kind of the idea that you're referring yeah. to, Tom? Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and, and I mean, I, I, I think we want to say, I mean, when we talk about, you know, God's anger, um, is that God's anger and God's mercy are not like in competition with each other. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's just, I think it's an important distinction. I mean, like, right. We want a God who, who cares about human sin. Um, we, 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 we find this story, um, most, most clearly in the um, the story of, of the Israelites being enslaved by the Egyptians and they call out to God and, and scripture says, and you know, God heard them and, and God did not forget them. Mm. Um, so if you're, you know, if, 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 if you come from um, a place where um, human suffering is a reality, um, you, you want a God who, who cares about that? Mm -hmm. You want a God who is angry um, about injustice, right? But that does not require a God who you know has to start, you know, um, you know, punishing people in order to. Okay, now I'm not I'm not so angry anymore. Um, in in psychological terms, we talk about this. Um, you know, in domestic violence is, is that there's this like buildup that happens. And then there's like this, this point in which there's, there's violence that's done and that breaks that tension. And then kind of things go back to kind of okay for a while. There's a little bit of a honeymoon period, you know, uh, daddy's not mad anymore. Um, and and that's the problem is when you know God becomes this uncon uncontrollable, um, I don't know, uncontrollable abusive uh, partner. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Right, right. Um, so, so, go ahead. We tend to understand God through the lens of how we understand the world. Humans, right? I mean, right, right. Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking too. Nation. And at the time of the Protestant Reformation, um, there wasn't an idea of trying to restore criminal justice systems, governments in, you know, the UK, Europe, where all these theories came from. It's all about retributive justice. You're just trying to punish people from the crime, for their crimes. They have to, they have to uh, pay back their debts. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so, but you you do see God 
all through the scriptures, especially it's more clear in, you know, the gospels forward, but it's also in the Hebrew scriptures that God is trying to restore people. God is not just interested in retribution or punishment. We see this over and over again. Um, Look at the book of Hosea. Look at uh, Isaiah from 40, chapter 40 to the end. There's many examples in the Hebrew scriptures of God wanting to restore people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I'm not advocating that we do the same thing again and just uh, understand God through the lens of restorative justice. I'm just saying we need to understand what we're doing and what has been our tendency throughout history. I think we have... Go ahead, finish up. Go ahead. Okay. No, I was going to say, I think we have a black and white, a, a binary view. It's either on or off um, in that um, there is, you know, God is either angry or not. Um, and I, I, Everett, I think you said God's goodness and mercy is not in competition. What'd you say a minute ago? Um, yeah. So God's judgment and God's thank you. mercy are not in competition with each other. There you go. You know, <clears throat> human, humans, humans, we have to compete. Right. Over that. Right. God doesn't. Mm. <laughs> and I don't know that we can come to um, that understanding. Understanding that it's just I, that just seems just, you know, just beyond me. I'm just like, what? You know, because I can't. It's not my nature. My nature is to put a line down the middle and move some people to one side and put some other people on the other side. Um, mm-hmm. and that's just how it works. So therefore, guess who gets on that same, you know, cutting board is God. Uh, oh no, he's over here or he's over here or something to that effect. Um, so if, if you have the judgmental God, then you have the God who must have a death for all of this sin. So what does that look like? So that's kind of the penal substitutionary. Um, and, and what does that look like? Why? Must there be death for sin? Anyone? Bueller? <laughs> Why is that a thing? For the wages of sin of are is death? Is that pointing to there must be a death in order to cover over the sin? Are you saying where so, did we get penal substitutionary atonement? I from? guess. Why is Jesus, you know, the lamb that was slaughtered? <clears throat> is it um yeah. I, why do so, we? So, so if you go, if you go back to, if you go back to the book of Genesis and the fall story, um, human beings who were created in God's image were intended to live with God forever and ever and ever. Amen. <laughs> and then, and then humans were not, um, were not satisfied mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. And so humans wanted to be like God. They wanted to know the difference between good and evil. It was not enough to just know good. Right. And and so the result of knowing the difference between good and evil was death. And, um, you know, so so when we talk about, you know, the in the story of the fall, you know, Eve is going to be afraid of snakes. Eve is going to have to go through childbirth. 
um, men are going to have to work the ground. Um, you, you know, they're not going to be able to live in the garden anymore, and they're not going to live forever. They are going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, the Book of Wisdom talks about that that death is not something that God created. Um, we see in the Gospel hmm. of John when Lazarus dies that that you know Jesus weeps at the loss at the death of his friend, um, and and so. In order to overturn the punishment, Jesus had to ha- had to die in order to defeat sin and death. Hmm. Okay. So it is a. So, go ahead, Tom. Well, go ahead. Finish. I was just going to say, so it's a fall thing to where they were going to live forever and ever in the garden. Then sin entered, and then. That's when death was introduced, and so this cross, you're the saying the cross was an undoing of that or overcoming. Let's say, um, I think. Yeah, so so say. so the cross is 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 uh, not. Yeah, so the cross okay. is is sort of the undoing. This is the world doing the very worst to Jesus and thinking that it has defeated and and you know and God still wins. Mm. Okay. But this. This uh, this theory of atonement, this way of explaining how salvation works, is really presum- presumptuous on our part because we're saying God's very nature demands, you know, a death. Uh, a death. God's yeah. very nature demands that this be made right, that there be punishment for sin. We sure we sure know a lot about God. <laughs> I mean, we sure we sure are able to speak for God, and and right. and what we're doing is we're just reading our understanding of justice based on our current system onto our understanding of God, and the, the, this system came about because it was an adaptation of the previously held wider system of atonement the way Mm -hmm. i understand things is i have to get the history and the context yeah so before penal substitutionary atonement became the big thing in the 16th century at least in the western world saint anselm's idea was it's sometimes called satisfactionary or a theory of satisfaction atonement Mm. so in this theory Back to the idea of history, our understanding of justice influencing our understanding of God. This is an oversimplification, but you could say uh, God is like a feudal lord, and God's honor has been offended because we haven't treated God the way we should treat God, like the way a serf would treat the lord of the manor. Mm-hmm. And so honor has to be uh, restored. God's honor has to be not reconciled. I don't know what the word would be because I'm not, I didn't live in the feudal system. Restored. Restored. Jesus is the one who always held God in honor. Jesus is the perfect serf, the perfect citizen. So Jesus maintains that honor for us. And so substitutionary atonement was just the next adaptation from that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At least that's my understanding of it. I'm sure it's 
Yeah, I've I've had um, <clears throat> that theory of someone someone's got to die. <laughs> you know, the idea that someone's got to die has always been something that has floated around. Um, I haven't thought about it a lot, but that's what that's when. Um, something makes sense because uh, I've been told um, in the past that you cannot be in the presence of God if you have sin. And so if God is unable to be in the presence of sin, then something <laughs> must cover over that sin. And now we're working through um, the Old Testament, say, or Hebrew scriptures, um, you know, sacrificial system. And I mean, you can just go read it in Leviticus and not and, and and beyond, and see what happens. And there is a death, whether it's a, a couple of doves or a lamb or you know whatever a bull. There are these deaths that cover over, um, and so then the blood of the animals cover over the sins and atone for them. And then you just fast forward into <clears throat> into you well, know first century, and then you get Jesus's death covering the blood covering over those sins and so i mean it, it, in that little you know line of bullet items it's like wow that makes a lot of sense <laughs> so. well but uh, okay so so in the in the i mean i'm not an expert on the jewish temple system but in the in the jewish temple what? system <laughs> what you know there there were there were um there were offerings where you know, the dove or the, the lamb or whatever was was destroyed. But for the most part, what happened was as you went and you made your offering to God at the temple, um, it was slaughtered. Um, a portion of it was was taken for the mm -hmm. priests. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A portion of it was, um, you know, taken for the poor. And then it was returned back to you for you to have, you know, to, to, to be the food for the feast of whatever you know whether it was you know this was this was pentecost and we're there or passover or or whatever and mm. so so it's not that right in passover the lamb is not destroyed the lamb is um is is killed the blood is placed over the lintel of the door so that death knows to pass over mm -hmm. and this is why in in communion we say Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us, right. right? It is, it is a, it is, it is a, a good substitution, um, um, atonement theory, um, that's rooted in in more of a historical Jewish practice rather than you know this this modern notion of of you know and and the other problem with with our modern talking about like penal substitution where God has to punish somebody. Is it's it, it places God the Father and God the Son in competition with right. each other rather right. than the Son being obedient and as Paul says, obedient even unto death. Right. That's a great man. That explanation of the uh, sacrificial system in the temple is a uh, very. <laughs> that's great. I'm glad you said that because. That makes a lot of sense because I feel like when you're thinking of that, okay, well, it happened here and it's got to happen here and that was Jesus and so on. Um, and there was no use to those animals in the temple outside of like, ah, well, we just, you know, cut their throat and push them off the back of the altar. <laughs> it's good to see that there's a purpose. Um, and that doesn't, that does not come out. I've never heard anyone say that. 
Now, I know it yeah. happened. I know it's there. I've read it, but it just didn't stick out, right? Um, so, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, okay, so uh, the let's talk about another uh, theory that I'm aware of, and I'm only aware of, we're yeah, aware of two. I know there are more, but Christus Victor, um, I believe is what it's called. And so, Everett, what is... Christus. Christus, thank you. Thank you. Christus, uh, what, Christus Victor. Yeah. <laughs> We're experts here. <laughs> Talk about that theory. Um, so basically that, that this is the idea of, um, Christ is victorious. Um, so Christ, Victor, Christ victorious. And so, um, that, that Christ is uh, that that in the cross in the death that Christ um, defeats sin and death, um, and and I think every I think most people would say yes, right. That's you know that's that's you know that's what happens. And so that's the idea that the cross, um, you know, can. You know, I hate to say cover over because then I'm bringing back in the atonement theory, but I guess they're all atonement theories. But it is death has been defeated. So, uh, sorry, sin has been defeated. So the sin, our sin, is forgiven, um, covered over. I don't know, you know, whatever you want to use there. But also that death has been overcome through not only through the cross, but through the resurrection. And that is the theory in itself, which I believe that, you know, I don't know who would say, ah, that's wrong. <laughs> I don't know. So, um, so what's what's wrong with that theory? Is there anything, Tom? Is there anything that you know different about it, or anything? And you had a thought earlier. I wanted you to share. Well, earlier, what I was going to say is, since when have we said that God cannot be in the press? I mean. I heard that my whole life. God cannot be in the presence of evil. Yeah, me too. But why do we think that? I don't know. I mean... <laughs> tell us, Tom. Tell us. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, God is God is in the presence of humans all through Scripture all the time. And according to what you know, I grew up with, we're evil. So, uh, and... And then... We have this temple system where we become ritually clean, but how many of our of us in the evangelical world understood what that meant and were practicing ritual cleanness? We had a completely different understanding of what evil meant, and you know what I? We're yeah. taking we're taking a system of ritual purity and trying to apply it to our completely different system hmm. and then making our doctrine based on that. Right. That makes no sense. Hmm. Um, anyway, back to what you're talking about now. I, I think it makes more sense than what we've been talking about. I like the Orthodox understanding of it where they kind of reject the Roman Catholic idea from St. Augustine of original sin, that we're guilty of the sins of our ancestors. But they, they say that it's kind of the idea of the stain of the fall. Uh, fallen people make fallen people, mm. you know. But 
Jesus well, that's what wasn't. I was... Yeah, go ahead, Deborah. Well, that's what I was talking about earlier. So, so the yes. Eastern side would say that the the punishment of Adam and Eve, death, has passed on from generation to generation. The the stain of sin, like the original sin, has not. So they they reject the notion of original sin, that being that we are born um, with with Adam and Eve's um, sin. But they would say that we um, we we have to live with the punishment that was given to Adam and Eve, which is which is death. And we're trying. Basically, the idea is that we're trying to restore our nature. We're trying to get out of this cycle of of death, where we just keep doing the same things over and over again. And and Jesus provides us the way to do that, to escape that. He he through his acts of salvation, he participated. And, and through our participation with him and those things, we find a way to restore our fallen nature. That's the way I understand it. Um, I'm not an orthodox theologian by any means, but I, it makes the most sense to me, and it seems to be the oldest theory, the oldest thinking that has been least influenced by... Uh, <laughs> the ebb and flow of history. Hmm. Um. Anyway, so the cross is. I, remember, I don't remember what the original question was. So the cross is used to restore our original nature, which our original nature, as it states in Genesis one, is that we are good. We are very good, and. In, I mean, I, yeah. I it's so hard yeah. not to tie other theories well, like Christus Victor into that <laughs> about overcoming sin and death because I still have things like, well, we got get rid, got to get rid of our sin first. <laughs> but how do we do that? It, we, you and I, came from the background that, um, you know, influenced by Lutheran theology. That the only way you can do that is through the sheer gift of God's grace. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But there's also the idea that of theosis, the Greek Orthodox idea that as we walk in the light, as we participate in God's nature and self-sacrificial acts of love, that we become more like Jesus. I don't know that I would put grace and theosis in competition. With well, I don't, I don't. I don't mean to do that. The grace is what is allowing the theosis to happen. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I, you know, and, and, and I think that the, you know, the, the, the issue for me with a lot of the substitutionary atonement theories is, is that the way that we talk about them are primarily products of the 19th and 20th century. There aren't even, you know, they, they use Calvin and Luther, but they're not even reading Calvin and Luther, you know, properly. They're reading, you know, they're talking about Anselm, but they're not even talking about Anselm properly. Um, what 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 they did is they ended up creating this highly individualistic, rationalistic way to talk about Christ's death that focuses solely on the death 
and divorces death from resurrection. Um, mm. Fleming Rutledge talks about this in, in her book, um, Crucifixion, and she says, you know, Mel Gibson's movie on uh, the Passion of the Christ was was good and it was very powerful, but but she says the issue is is that it completely skips over the resurrection. Mm. And she said this is this is all too common in modern evangelical circles, which it's all about the cross, all about Christ's suffering. And she says yes, but mm. it's connected to the resurrection, and right. that that Christ's suffering is not the end. It is. It is Christ's defeat over, over that suffering. And so that just answers my last, you just answered the last question I was going to ask you. So why did Jesus have to die? <laughs> so there you go. I think that's Everett's answer. Um, Tom, finalize it here. What is, and you may have already talked this and you're maybe repeating what you've said, but why did Jesus have to die? So... Maybe it's a good time to talk about focusing on the wrong thing that you mentioned before we started. I, right. I would say I wouldn't phrase the question that way. Okay. But I would say we Jesus participated with us. He became human. He went through everything we go through, including death, including a lack of justice including, um, you know, all the evil the world can throw at us, it threw at him. And so it's an act of salvation. Through that, we can escape our fallen nature by imitating him, by participating with him. As we do that, the spirit changes us. And so it was about him going through being what we are going through it with us. If you're uh, listening to this and you're grew up as a biblical literalist, you know, go to second Peter one, four and think about how Christ's work is sal the salvation work that Jesus did. How does that make us as second Peter one, four says, partakers in the divine nature how is it that we are participating with god and receiving god becoming like god uh being united to god in christ that is and it's not through the if you read that chapter it doesn't sound like anything of like substitutionary atonement it sounds like as we do the things Jesus did, we become like Jesus. So it's it's a different thing that's happening. That and the Orthodox call that theosis. So I would say I guess my simple answer then would be Jesus had to die because that's what happens to us. Hmm. He wouldn't it, God would not have become I mean if death wasn't part of it. Why did God become human? Right. Does he that make sense? Yep. Yep. Um, to humble himself. For God to humble himself and then also to experience death like we do. Um, right. 
to unify part of and see the human experience from our side, um, the suffering and death and so on. So, and I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd phrase it like that because I think God could see it without having to do that because God is God. Oh, uh, well, I guess, yeah, and I guess that you should flip it around to where we see God do that, I guess. Good point. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. We are able to see that God <clears throat> understands. Right. There you go. There you go. And our weakness. That's good. Or lack of sight. Very good. Good correction. All right. Thank you all for listening today. Um, good stuff. Ooh, helmet theories. <laughs> Thanks, gentlemen. May the peace of the Lord be always with you. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at, at FunDrainPod. We'd love to hear your comments on our episodes and also suggest future episode topics. Also, if you enjoy what we're doing, go on to iTunes and give us a review, please. Thanks a lot.